Christmas proved once and for all that in God's world, no matter who you are, what you've done or haven't done in this world, you're still invited. You're still wanted. You're still valuable, chosen. You're still loved by God. I mean, that's what Christmas and the story of Jesus tells us. And the great example we just experienced is Mary. I mean, Mary in her world and in her culture was literally a nobody from a no valuable place, a nowhere place. She wasn't known by anyone and she just didn't matter. And yet God chose her, lifted her up, favored her, allowed her to be a centerpiece in the delivery of his promise of redemption. Mary was the one that delivered God's gift of Jesus Christ into our lives. I mean, what a gift. What an honor. And yet she had been a nobody. This is the story of Christmas. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who's dismissed you or rejected you or told you you weren't worth anything. God has a very different opinion of you. You matter. He gave you Jesus. The same reality can be seen in all the characters that God chose to deliver his Christmas story through and through whom Jesus touched during his ministry on earth. I mean, think about Joseph the carpenter. Again, someone that the world didn't even notice, didn't miss him when he was gone, but a centerpiece in God's great story of delivering Jesus. The shepherds, they weren't even valuable to their own families. They sent them out with sheep. But God saw them as the best ones to proclaim the fulfillment of his promise and the birth of his son. Oh, people didn't think they mattered, but the angels sang the story of Jesus coming to them. What an unbelievable thing God has done for us. And not just them, the wise men. They were people of renown in the world, but they were outsiders to Israel, so they were considered unimportant, not part of the story. But God wants everyone to know there are no outsiders when it comes to him. He wants you, whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever your background, he wants you to experience his gift. And then, who did Jesus touch when he was on this planet? Everyone, especially the unwanted. The castaways of the world are the ones that Jesus paid attention to and showed God's love to. And it's the way it was supposed to be. I know it's not the story of the world. I know it's not the way of the world, but it is the story of God and the way of Jesus. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. It says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world. And that's what we're celebrating now, right? The story of Jesus coming into the world. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He didn't come for the rich. He didn't come for the people who could measure up. He didn't come for those who won all the straight A's of religion. He came for the broken, the hurting, the failures, the ones ruled by shame and expendable in the world. And then Paul said something amazing. It's something that his culture didn't understand. It's something our culture doesn't understand, which is why so few experience the real gift of Christmas. Paul 
was one of the most religious people on the planet. He was disciplined in his religion. He was all about keeping the rules and keeping them well and earning his place and earning his goodness and proving he deserved everything. And in the midst of all that he did, he still experienced nothing but brokenness, darkness, emptiness. And then he finally came to grips with his reality. He was just a sinner like everyone else in different packaging. The package of religion, the package of goodness, but he was broken on the inside. And isn't that often what happens to us? We have the right packaging perhaps, but the insides are still empty. Or we have the right packaging, but the insides are still empty. Paul finally discovered it. He says, here's what you need to know. Jesus Christ came into this world to prove sinners, and by that, I'm not talking about other people, I'm talking about us. In fact, he said, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. And in that moment, when he understood that Christmas wasn't about other people or another religion or fanciful fairy tales apart, but it was about what he needed most, that he was a sinner that needed salvation, and he couldn't do anything about it, but God did by sending his son. That's the moment that changed Paul's life, and it can change ours too. But to experience the transformation, we have to come to the place that Paul came to, where we stopped celebrating this thing without realizing its point. And just because we decorate trees and give away presents and sing carols doesn't mean we've experienced the gift of Christmas. We have to get to the place where we understand why he came. He came to save sinners. And we're not talking about other people. We're talking about us. But here's the reality we have to face. We have been born into this world and shaped by this world and have embraced the patterns of this world and the world we live in is a world of insiders and outsiders, a world of winners and losers. It's a world of exclusion. That's the world we live in, and that's the people we've become. That's what Paul had become before he met Jesus. But Jesus came to change all of that, and that's the truth I want you to see as we celebrate Christmas, as we get ready to light candles and have this festivity of light and sing these carols that mean so much. It's so important that we understand this truth. Christmas changed everything. That's why it's worthy of a celebration. It changed everything. Jesus said it. John chapter 8, verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Christmas changed everything. Why? Because we're born into and shaped by and damaged by a world that's filled with darkness, but Jesus is the light of the world. He's what we're looking for. He's what we need. So our world, it's a world of an exclusion. It's what Mary knew, how to be excluded, how to be unseen, how to be considered insignificant and unvaluable, how to be dismissed, how to be lost in this world of darkness. She knew that, but then God showed up and said, no, that's not the world I have for you. In my world, I'm going to favor you. I'm going to lift you up. And when she realized it, it transformed her, right? I mean, there's no better picture than the artistic expression we just did. What happened when she realized that the world 
of darkness has been transformed by Jesus who came to give us a world of light, she soared and danced and experienced freedom. And that's what Christmas should do to us. But first, with Paul, we have to understand the world we live in is one of exclusion. So many people ask me, why is the world so messed up? Why does God allow the world to be this way? Look at the world is a world of exclusion. It's a world we've created, not that God's created. We're all fighting for our own benefit. We're fighting to get ahead. We're fighting to push forward for our own profit. Individual against individual, tribe against tribe, party against party, and everyone's struggling to, to find a place, to find an advantage, to find a little bit of meaning and value. And all of this struggling and fighting against each other, it, well, it fills the world with darkness. The world's just filled with darkness because of this world of struggle. But God's world isn't a world of exclusion. God's world is a world of inclusion. Mary had been excluded by this world, but God said, no, you're to be included and favored. That's God's world. You see, God's fighting for everyone's benefit. God's fighting for us. Maybe I should get a little more personal. God's fighting for you what he's fighting for. And you might say, why? No one else seems to think I matter. No one else seems to see me. No one else seems to think I'm valuable. I know what I'm like. I'm not even thinking that I'm all that valuable. Well, I'll tell you why. God fights for you when everything else seems to fight against you. It starts with the fact that God made you. God made us. Now, to really get at that, for me at least, in my small world, I, I have to think of something I've been a part of bringing into the world. And the best example I can bring are the three kids that my wife Roxanne and I have had the privilege of authoring into this world. And, you know, God creates them, but he used us as a part of it. And these three kids, now adults, are the pride and joy of my life. And it's not because they're perfect. In spite of the fact that Roxanne and I were perfect parents. Our kids have messed up. I mean, I'm just telling you, it's crazy. <laughs> They've disappointed us, and sometimes profoundly. Who knew that an adult could be so hurt by someone so small? You know, even as little kids, I didn't. But there's never been a point, never, where I didn't love them to the core of my being with all of my life because they were my kids. God allowed me to be a part of bringing them into this world and nothing can change that. And I'm a flawed, messed up human being. Think about this. God made us. That's why he fights for us. The world teaches us that we're being fought against, and we've overlaid that on God, and many of us feel like God's holding out on us, God's fighting against us, God's warring against us, God's keeping us out, God's excluding us, he's not, that's the world. God's fighting for us. He made us. I love what the psalmist finally came to grips with in Psalm 139, verse 14, I praise you, he said, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. This psalmist, like us, lived in a world where he was stomped down, pushed down, rejected and unwanted, but he finally came to grips with this idea. But you think I'm wonderful. You made me right. And I'm going to praise you. Jesus Christ came into this world as a gift of God for us because God's fighting for us. He wants his best for his children. God fights for us, not against us like the world, because he loves us all profoundly. In fact, that's the core of Christmas, John 3:16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that the good people that really measure up and do everything right could one day go to heaven. No, that's not why he sent his son. He sent his son to save sinners of whom we are the worst. It's so that whoever believes in him would not perish like they deserve, but have everlasting life. He loves us all. And why does he fight for us? Why is he a God of inclusion instead of exclusion like our world? Because, and these are powerful words, at least for me, because he wants us. And those are powerful words because... Early in life, we learn that we're not really wanted. Now, I'm not talking about our parents. We can be from a home where the parents really want us. I know not everybody is, but you can be wanted by your parents. But you are going to be told you're unwanted by this world. I know I've been. I, I was the number three son in a family of four sons. My two older brothers, if you've been a part of Northridge a long time, you know their names. Messiah 1 and Messiah 2, <laughs> or Jesus and Christ, you know, my first two brothers. So they were these perfect kids. And then my younger brother, come on, the youngest son in a family, the baby of the family, oh my gosh, he could have been Beelzebub himself and he would have been the greatest thing my parents ever had. And then there was me, number third son. And it, it wasn't that anyone didn't want me, it's just that it was like, hey, you know, yeah, and then there's Brad. Then I went to school, and you know, there was always that one or two on the playground that were, whoo-hoo, the heroes of the world, the insiders, not the losers, but the winners, you know? Not the outsiders, but the insiders. You know, during kickball, I don't know if they did this at your school, but my school it was kickball, because elementary sports suck, right? That's kind of where we were, and on the playground of our elementary school, it was kickball, and there was... You be captain, you be captain. There you have the insiders. There you have the winners. And then, you know, we weren't picked, the rest of us, you know? Go slide while the rest play. What, what's the world teaching us? Hey, this is a world of exclusion. This is a world where you're not wanted. And that's the world we live in. You know it. You know it in your personal relationships. You know it in your family experiences. You know it in the marketplace, in your vocational thing. You know it in academics. You know it even in churches, sadly. But here's what Christmas teaches us. In a world that only knows exclusion, which has shaped us to feel excluded and unwanted and unseen and unvaluable, God made it clear that in his world, you're seen, you're wanted, you're loved, and you're valuable. He wants us all. I love how Jesus said it. Just listen to the words of Matthew 11:28. 28. Come to me. And then he doesn't say what our world says. Come to me 
if you've earned the right. Come to me if you have capacity that can deliver. Come to me if you'll bring me some profit. Come to me if you'll bring advantage to me. Come to me if you won't shame me, embarrass me. Come to me. That's not what he says. He says, come to me, those of you who are weary and burdened, broken, filled with shame and guilt, feeling unwanted and rejected by the world and feeling like you deserve it yourself. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Christmas is a story where God is finally able to shout to each and every one of us, I made you, I love you, and you're wanted. Think about what that means in our life's context. It means he wants us in his family, even if we are the number three son. He, he wants us on his team, even if we can't kick a stupid kickball. He wants us around his table, even if we do spill a huge bowl of gravy that was passed to us. Story I'm not going to go into. <laughs> he, he, he wants us as his friend. And which one of us wouldn't just die to have one friend who would give their life for us? He wants us knocking and calling and asking. And you, you might say, that's not a big deal. Yes, it is. I'm going to tell you, I'm not the worst person on the planet, but I live in fear of someone coming and knocking on my door. I, I don't want... This is, I put in a ring doorbell just so I can see them coming and hide. I'm serious. It's like, don't knock on my door unless you've been invited, and I'm not going to invite you, so don't knock on my door. It's a bother. I deal with enough people, don't you? You know, you know the feeling, right? And most of us feel like that in the world. But God wants us knocking and calling and asking. In fact, he's begging for us to come. God's world is a world of light. It's a very different world. It's, it's what Jesus came to bring us on that silent and holy night so long ago. And yet, let's be honest, though Christmas changed everything, much of our world and many of our lives are still very much the same. And this is the point where in any given Christmas talk, or any talk for that matter, people start going, you know what, here we are, you're setting the mood, you're creating the environment, we've got the cultural context going on, the music's pretty good, the lights are all glowing, you've got us in the right place, and you're going to try and convince us of this crap that the world's been changed. But I'm looking at the newsfeed, and I'm watching the news, and I'm watching social media, and I'm seeing what's happening in the world, and I've been through 2020, thank you very much, and it didn't end with 2020, and I'm not buying it. Well, I get it. I really do. The problem isn't that God didn't change the world with Christmas. The problem isn't that God's world isn't light versus darkness. The problem is not that he never invited us. That's not the problem. The problem is that for whatever reason, we've chosen not to come to him. We've chosen not to accept his invitation. In fact, can I put it really simply? Huh. Because we've been formed by this world of exclusion, we've treated him how we've been treated. 
We've rejected him for just loving us. We've shut him out because he doesn't give us what we want. And we all know the only people who matter are the people who contribute, give us what we want. And if they don't, then we'll move on. That's the world we've been shaped by. But that's the world of darkness, not the world of light. We've left him out. We've forgotten him. And this is the reason that God's world and Christmas, you know, love and peace and fulfillment and joy are still just a fairy tale to all of us. John 3.19, this is what Jesus says. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. That's Jesus. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. You know, here's the reality. We've been shaped by this world. It's all we know. And as much as we hate it, we're most comfortable in it because it's all we know. We've learned how to, in our dysfunction, try and control it, try and shape it, try and get the best of it. Many of us have learned how to manipulate in a way where, hey, we get stepped on, but we get to step on more people than step on us. We get shut out, but we get to shut out more people that shut us out. And We're not big-time insiders, but we're not big-time outsiders, and so it's like a safe place for us. And what we do is we don't mind singing the songs of Jesus, we just don't want him messing up what we've already learned. And that's where Paul was, but he learned all of his religion got him nowhere except more darkness and more darkness and more darkness, and he finally came to the place where he said, I need the light. And I just can't think of a better time to change the world we're experiencing than on Christmas Eve. I mean, come on, we're already looking at all the lights, we're already singing all the songs, we're already celebrating the story, we've already bought a little bit into the narrative, at least a little, and why do you want to hear about this story that you long to experience but still stay on the outside of it? I can't imagine. Some of us have already been Jesus followers, but we've been living outside of the story. I was always my dad's son, but I wasn't always experiencing my dad's best, not because he wasn't giving it, but because I wasn't receiving it. You know what I've done so much in my life? I've excluded the ones who I needed the most. And so many of us are believers here right now. Christians, Jesus followers, but you've been excluding the one you need the most. This is your moment to get it right, to confess it to Jesus and say, I, I, I want to live in your world, not mine. And while you do that, there are some of you who've never experienced Jesus' light in you. This can be your moment. And so why don't we take that moment just before we go to worship again. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? And as we pray, each and every one of us, if you've never received Jesus, while others are praying to this God they've already received, why don't you pray with me? Take my words in this prayer and just make them yours to God. And it doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be out loud. Just in your heart, just say, Jesus, I really do believe you've come. You came as a baby, but not to be a baby, but to live the life I failed to live. And then, as your gift to me, you died on the cross so my sin could be forgiven and rose again to give me new life, a life of light. And so I'm asking you 
to come into my life, take my sin, and forgive me, and make me a child of God, and I'll thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. In John chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. And so if you just prayed with me, that's exactly what happened to you. And we'd love for you to know how to grow in this relationship as a child of God and how to know Jesus better. And we'd love to give you a Bible, but to do that, we have to know you want it. And so what you can do is you can text us. And I know how many times I said, you can text me this, you can text me that, you can text me this. You know why we do that? Because you don't have any paper or pens on you, but you do have a stupid phone on you or a smartphone, depending on which one you have. It, you, you have a phone, so you can text us. And to get the Bible and this information, just text us the name Northridge, the name of our church, Northridge, to 31616, and we'll send you a link. You can fill it out and tell us how to get the Bible to you, and we'll send that on to you. We'd love to be part of your life that way. But just as we now move to worship, can I say when we genuinely experience Christmas in our lives, I mean genuinely, it changes everything. Oh, I know many in the world aren't changed. Oh, I know our world is still a world of darkness. That's true. Always has been, always will. Was for Mary, was for Joseph, was for Jesus. But your world will change because he'll fill you with light. It transforms you from darkness to light. And that's why a candlelight service is so powerful. Right now, this candle has all the potential to be giving off light and experiencing its purpose. But it's just dark and dead and useless. But in a minute, I put it in a flame and we have ourself light. So we use these candles and these candlelight services to remember that Jesus came to give us a different world, not one of darkness, but one of light. Yes, there's darkness all around it still, but the beauty of the light in the midst of the darkness is an amazing thing, which is what our lives can be in the midst of this dark, dark world. God made it possible for us to experience light by sending his son long ago on that silent and that holy night. Let's stand together and worship.
The Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 goes like this. And there were, in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were greatly afraid, because it was a change. Who experiences light in a world of darkness? And the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, not some, not a few, but to all. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. God, we thank you for the great gift you gave us on that silent and holy night so long ago, the gift of your love, your son, your salvation, your light. And it's my prayer that you'll lead each and every one of us here to accept your gift and live our lives in the light. Help us like the shepherds to see and experience your reality and the fulfillment of your promise. Help us with Mary to find and know your favor, to allow you to live in and through us. And then, God, 
in a world trying to stomp us down for us to soar and dance and become in your name. Help us to experience your peace and show your goodness to the world and help us to live our lives in a way that shouts with the angels. Glory to God in the highest. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can blow out your candles. <laughs>